Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the home of Ukrainian football in English language. I'm your host, Adam from Ukrafot24, and I'm really excited about this episode tonight. Winter has arrived for the PFL. Everybody has been put to sleep for four long months, and we're going to have a deep dive into everything that's been going on so far this season. As always, I'm really happy to welcome our two excellent co-hosts, Andrew, Mr. Zoria Londons. Now, Andrew, I'm not quite sure what city you're in, what time zone you're in. You seem to have been popping up all over Europe in the last seven days. What have you been up to, mate? <laughs> well, I'm back in London at the moment. I will be going to Ukraine shortly, probably by the time this episode is out. And yeah, had an interesting week in Italy and Glasgow last time out. Great. Great. Looking forward to hearing a bit about it later on in the show. And as well, it's, it feels like it's been a while. It really does. But Ray, mate, great to see you. Are you happy now that the PFL has gone to sleep for a bit? No, I never am. And I wasn't happy last year when it uh, was, put, <laughs> was put to sleep, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. And uh, these games, man, I mean, we have uh, a... Uh, participant uh, tonight with us uh, uh, representing uh, Allianz and uh, last game of Allianz with Vipika Agro I mean that's the classic one you know this is the new derby and uh, we discussed it previously and you always love to see it I mean uh, apart from the teams you support or you sympathize there's always just random stuff which just keeps popping up and the broadcast is there and uh, I mean I, I, will, I would probably spend a few weeks just researching and going back to what happened uh, in this uh, four months of uh, autumn rather than being happy or sad about it being over but yeah hey ho hey ho it's gonna be a good one tonight definitely we've got so a lot to cover we really do and as you mentioned there it's great to welcome back to the show Ilya. now uh Ilya, of course is press officer at alliance de Pordelina. And Ilya, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, mate? Hello, thank you for the invitation once again. Uh, I'm not so good because uh, autumn uh, part of the season is ended and uh, we need to wait for the returning of the... But you got the bronze, mate. You are the third. <laughs> Come on. We are so just for the winter pause. I don't know what will happen in spring. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to having a bit more of a chat with you about Allianz in the show today. But before we dive into the PFL, Andrew, just want to recap for everything you've been up to over the last week and... It's not been a great week for you, really. I'm surprised you want to get on a plane again to go to a football match after the last seven days. <laughs> uh, four matches, zero wins. 
seen, spectated. So obviously, we had last week's episode where I discussed a bit in detail about Shevchenko's first match in charge of Genoa, which was 2-0 loss to Roma. Very wet. Genoa was okay. Not the cleanest of cities, I can say. And then after that, headed northeast to Milan. Obviously, the capital, the capital of Lombardia, the capital of northern Italy, you can say. Very much reminded me of London in a lot of areas. Um, a lot of sort of cultural places, lots of nice sites, lots of historical areas to go through, but not really much of like an old town per se. And went to the San Siro for the first time, ticked off the, che- off the bucket list because I wanted to see that before it gets knocked down apparently next summer or the summer after or something like that. So that came in. Sadly, what didn't come in was a, a Shakhtar win or even a Shakhtar goal. Um, they were pretty, well, they were true to the form against Inter Milan. It was nil-nil for most of the game. Inter were missing plenty of chances. Their, their ultras were putting in a great performance, but Dzeko showed what Bosnia were missing against Ukraine the week before and he got two typical poacher finishes 1-2-0 Shakhtar out of Europe altogether after uh, Real Madrid well after the fact that they just can't go any- anywhere further because there's not enough um, they can't catch Sheriff in the final match day that's going to be a bit of a dead rubber and following Milan headed down to Rome a very wet Rome again, got soaked through, <laughs> which was annoying. Got a very thorough security check through the Roma away end. They took away my Sharpie pen and were going to confiscate some just biro pens that I had in my um, little bum bag, but ended up giving me the pens back. I saw my second consecutive 4-0 loss at the Stadio Olimpico after England beat Ukraine there in the summer. So... Yeah, I've seen better days on Euro tours. Italy was good fun to visit, <laughs> that's for sure. Nice to see Milan and to see Rome again, um, despite the weather. Met a lot of Zoria Ultras. Was very good fun in their away, and they were singing throughout, which was actually a, a welcome change. Really, really enjoyed that one, for sure. Some good atmosphere going on in there. Definitely the highlight. What can you say? All three Ukrainian clubs are out of Europe. Not something we're going to be discussing too deeply this evening, but still we know that it's bad sign of Ukrainian football. I'll probably do a bit more of a review of that once we do our UPL winter break review. Negative times. And then the final match of the week, it carries on this monologue, but um, was in Glasgow. Watched the old World Cup playoff draw in, in the Scottish second city, you can say. And it just so happened that Scotland will be playing against Ukraine at Hampden in March as well. So the dress rehearsal by the women ended 1-0. A typical Ukraine national team performance on all levels in 2021 where they conceded a last-minute equaliser after scoring midway through the first half and then literally uh, backs against the wall performance for the rest of it. But hey-ho, I mean, positive still because those uh, Scottish women are probably a lot higher level than the Ukraine squad because they play in, you know, the WSL and whatnot. So in general, it's it's one for the memories, 
and I'll probably have a vlog coming out of it soon. Uh, three days, three cities. So watch out for that. But performance-wise, I have seen a lot better from Ukrainian <laughs> teams. Oh, I mean, the question tonight, of course, is have we seen better in the PFL this year? Right? Ilya, as, 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 as Ray reminded us, and congratulations on the bronze medal for the, the winter season as, or the autumn season, as we like to call it. Um, over there, are you guys happy with it? I mean, there were times this season where you were pushing Proofbass for second. Are you, are you satisfied with the results come winter break? I think that uh, we could uh, play better. As you remember, we were second for the some uh, match days. But I think the team can satisfy it with uh, third place because um, we had a very bad uh, period when in uh, six matches we received only one victory and one draw. We had no sure that we will stay in top four. Uh, now we are certain I think that it is good result for the team which is just uh, play second uh, season in the first league, I think progress is incredible. I mean, when you were with us uh, last time, you mentioned about the stadium issue. We spoke a bit about that. I'm just curious, um, has there been any updates over there? Is there anything that we're not aware of regarding the, the stadium? And with you being third place, obviously, at this stage and potentially going into the playoffs or challenging for second, are there any plans for if Allianz go to the UPL next season, where will the team play? Uh, firstly, we need to go to the uh, rich Premier League to speak where we will play uh, if serious. Uh, as I know, Victoria is going to sell stadium due to these records and others, uh, but uh, I don't understand why do they put their partners on the stadium. Uh, so the situation with the stadium is very strange uh, as for me. So I can't even give any process uh, even can say something because really the situation is very strange. Uh, it's still a watch this space regarding the stadium. I remember when we were there in the summer, it was still, nobody's quite sure what's going to happen there. I mean, guys, let's, let's look at the, the top spot. I mean, Metalist. Did we expect them to be so dominant and do they deserve, in your opinion, I mean, Ray, I can bring you in on this. Do you think they deserve the credit that they're getting or the adulation? Some people saying that perhaps they're already the third best team in Ukraine, despite playing in the, in the Persia this season. Or are we kind of just blowing them up a bit too much? Yeah, hearing, that, hearing such predictions is a bit audacious because, uh, you know, uh, they're going old school. They're going pure old school to the Premier League uh, with such backing from the politics side. I mean, the mayor of uh, Kharkiv, the former referee from 2000s and uh, the Yaroslavsky comeback and all the Argentinians and Brazilians. Come on. I mean, that's the way you used to uh, bend it. Uh, like Shakhtar, Dynamo, Dnipro in... Uh, the oligarch era of early 2010s. Let's see how long it lasts. I mean, the Premier League would not prove their uh, real level because these days they obviously can uh, conquer uh, Vorskla, Zoria, Nipro One. Yeah, Metalist is um, level, this the team's level. Uh, 
uh, at that point is higher than those teams. And so we just need to see how, and compare, obviously, this team, Metalist, to the older one because they played a few ridiculous games in the Europa League. I mean, the ones where they should have won, they just blew it completely. Classic way for Ukrainian teams. I mean, sporting game in 2012. So, yeah, that was probably the peak of that Metalist. And now it's all coming back and... Uh, I don't know. I don't like history repeating itself. And that's a classic example here. So not much to say, to be honest. They lost to agribusiness. So watch this space. <laughs> very true. Very true. Very true. Don't all lose to agribusiness. <laughs> I don't get agribusiness this year. I mean, we call them agribusiness, but they're not giving much agro, are they? Let's be perfectly honest. I mean, obviously, Ray, Andrew, you were with me on the tour in the summer and we, we spoke with them out there. Does it surprise you that they are still in so much trouble, even though they've beaten Metalist and beaten Alliance, sorry, earlier? Uh, do we think they're going to go down, Andrew? Probably not. I think they'll probably come out of it where if they're getting results against the sort of big boys and then ending up struggling against the others... They've lost a fair few, but the majority of their games this season have actually been draws mm -hmm. by the looks of it. So it seems like they just can't close games out. And I mean, we've, hear, we've been hearing that there could be potential trouble for at least one side in the Palshalika coming up this week, uh, Olympic Donetsk, yeah, selling, their, selling their club coach and whether that's leading to the fact that the team might fold or something ridiculous over the winter. And as you know, those long four months that we've got to endure now, plenty of stuff happens. Team folds, team team disappear. Like last last winter, what was it? Hirnik were high-flying, got rid of a load of players, and then they suddenly just came back and still doing decent this season. I mean, challenging for one of those last playoff spots, although slightly off the mark so it's completely unpredictable now but with the way our business has been playing over the past few seasons you'd hope that they end up staying up because they have been challenging for promotion on the most part maybe they've just had a bit of a deflation period that they've they should have gone up in one of those past few seasons and had they maybe they'd be on a different level but now it's just like plateau and decline i mean talk talk you mentioned the playoffs there obviously and Obelon and Allianz have been pretty solid in third and fourth spot throughout the season. I know occasionally up in second. I know some of the guys who were probably listening to this at home have been mentioning Turnipol and Precarpatia as potential challengers. Now, guys, you've been watching the PFL probably a bit more than me, the Persia in particular this season. Do you see Precarpatia, Turnipol as, as potential challengers or... Are you as Oberon fan, as an Alliance employee fan? Are you looking up at second place and looking less over your shoulders at fifth, sixth, seventh, chasing you at this stage of the season? Are there any of those clubs that particularly worry you, Ilya? Uh, also, Polisia, yes, uh, with this uh, budget. Uh, but I think that with uh, Galitvins of Azokoich, they will not uh, achieve some uh, success because uh, we see that uh, Police squad is a fully Premier League team, but something is wrong with the play, so we can make the conclusion that uh, coaching work is not ideal. So uh, 
police as uh, management will have uh, to, to decide uh, if we find a new coach uh, or we will just pretend uh, for Premier League not to achieve that. Would you say they're the biggest disappointment this season with, with their performances? Because, I mean, at the start of the season, we all, we all said they're going to be challenging. They're going to be potential third-place team. So in your eyes, Ilya, are they the biggest disappointment or Valin or agro-business? Who is it for you? No, I don't think that Valin is a disappointment because it, mostly it is Valin too, which played last season in second league. So uh, we have nothing to blame it. That mm-hmm. they play even better than agro-business, which uh, last two seasons pretended to, to promotion. Uh, for me, agribusiness not a uh, not a team that uh, disappoint uh, me, but uh, something is wrong with the team uh, when uh, we played. Uh, we alliance played with agribusiness in Sumer. Uh, I heard a conversation of Yuri uh, Yaroshenko and uh, Alexander Chizevsky, and uh, Yaroshenko asked, uh, "What's wrong with you?" And Chizevsky uh, even cannot uh, couldn't give an answer. What's happening with the team? So. But for me, it is uh, the main problem uh, that agribusiness had uh, no transfers. Uh, they played the same squad for one year. Uh, and uh, agribusiness need to make a huge work on that with the transfers, uh, updated team for maybe 80%. And then something will be good with the system. Potentially could be related to the fact that obviously their owner is banned from football and maybe doesn't want to invest anymore or Slashy is not allowed to. We don't know how exactly these bans end up working, as is the case yes. in Ukrainian football. We, but, we um, never do. But yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I also, I also thought that something with the Sobuski's ban. Uh, maybe, maybe we won't uh, know all the truth. I mean, I'll swear down at the bottom of the league. There's, there's no real big surprises. Kremen now have sort of been cut adrift, and as we know, they were supposed to be in the drawer. It was only with Mikolaev's late withdrawal that they got to play in the Persia again. Ushgorod all season have looked poor. Kramatorsk have got no budget this year. VPK. I know they came up with you, didn't they, Ilya? They came up with Alliance two seasons ago, but they haven't really developed the same way that Alliance has since moving up into uh, the Persia. They still don't play. I mean, they play in the Nipro now and not don't play at the home stadium. So those guys haven't been a big surprise. A quick question, though. Have you been impressed with football's coverage this year? Do you think yeah. it's helped? Uh, sort of bring Persia to sort of a bigger marketplace. I see you're nodding along there, right? Yeah, definitely. That's the biggest improvements in history of PFL because uh, whatever you think about footballs, but they found their spot. That's their niche, you know. That's what they need to be broadcasting again and over and over again because uh, they ignored it for the um, probably uh, except the 12-13 season. They ignored the PFL completely and now they're covering it because they don't have anything else to show. And that was that matched up, that fell in place. And uh, yeah, it's a lovely thing to see. And, you know, uh, the fans are more encouraged, I think, uh, slowly, but yeah, 
and I think it's connected. It might be connected with uh, VAR as well. So they will be buying more um, of these VAR vans for Premier League, and probably some of the older ones will, uh, you know, be thrown to the PFL. And so, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of silver linings in here, surely. Definitely, Ilya. Do you agree with that? Uh, to supplement why they shown uh, first league in the uh, COVID season 1920 when uh, first league was played in summer. So uh, football uh, only see first league when they have nothing to protest. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we're not complaining about it anyway. It's been it's been great to see the club. You know, the last couple of years, all the games have been available on YouTube free through club feeds, but football brings a certain higher sort of professional standard, even if it isn't that much of a step up. <laughs> it's it's well, a I orange. Them professional standards when we played against Volin and Yuri Yagoshenko somehow became Albert Sachow due to graphics. <laughs> superb, superb. Andrew. I know you've been excited about the Drua this season and the return of Carpati in a in a, a slightly sort of similar guise after the last couple of years. Yep. So they had a bit of a weird start to the season, didn't they? They weren't that consistent, you can say. And then now they've gone on a run of 13 straight wins. So you can say they found their groove uh, <laughs> for certain. Um and they've even blown away Livy Berra, who we thought were probably going to be the main yeah. team to beat. But those three teams up there, uh, Carpata, Livy Berra and LNZ, are the favourites, I'd say, to retain those three spots. Dinaz have been biting. But I mean, if you compare the finances of Dinaz with those other three mm. and sort of the quality of squads that they've all got and whether those three clubs could even challenge in compared to like Dinas, I'd say that you'd hope that those three clubs end up doing doing well. Uh, Ellen's still in the uh, in the Ukrainian Cup. I think they're playing Dnipro one this week potentially because of their. I think the game was postponed or something mm. like that. They had COVID, didn't they? Yes. Oh time. yeah. So that yeah, that's going to be played on Wednesday uh, evening. So in general. Quite a solid season for, well, two of those brand new starters, the ones that, well, brand new professional clubs. Mm-hmm. And Karpate, who technically are a new club, just have got the same badge from the old one. Even when I saw them back in October, when they played, a, and they were relatively underwhelming against Lubomir, Lubomir, you know, they got the job done. So that's all I can say about that one. In the other league, though, Meta Lurk looked to be on a comeback for once after many year absence from um, Hersha and the UPL. So we'll see what happens there. Definitely. I mean, uh, Livy Berek, of course, started off the season so well. Still a nice setup there. I've seen, I've heard stories that the stadium's coming along, the new stadium's coming along quite nicely there. Yeah. It's, Andrew uh, Metalurk uh, was not playing in the first league for two seasons and uh, in the playoffs they were beaten by Allianz <laughs> yes yes remember it I remember it of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, I mean, it'll be, be great to see 
Mets, yes, Mets yeah. look back though in the Persia. You know, they that they are getting good attendances in Group B there this season. They're, but it seems weird. Like twelve months ago, we were here talking about how strong Met, Group B was with Metal as they were and Krivbas and Taria were a lot better. This year, I would say. I'd strongly argue that Group A looks the, the stronger of the the Druva divisions this time around. As you mentioned, LNZ and Livibere seem to be the two that will be competing for second spot. Dinez and Epicenter and the like are probably going to drift away. Now, did any of you see the Poverezhnuk video on Mukachevo, the, the Hungarian Academy? <laughs> A few weeks back, I'd love to know your opinions on on the club now after seeing his interviews down there. I've watched some of it. I haven't had the time to watch all of it, but on the basis of what I've seen, it's it is quite a positive promo story, and there wasn't much like investigative, uh, in depth look into what's actually going on with the players following their development, their time at the club, and then moving on. It seems to me, for well, for the most part, that the majority of the kids there are Ukrainian. It's not just the fully ethnic Hungarian diaspora side where there's like loads of little Hungarian kids, etc., that live in those uh, enclaves that we visited in the summer. Rather, it's uh, Ukrainians from across the country that have come over there and are being developed. The issue is obviously is that following that they're being developed in the Ukrainian system what for a few years and then the best ones will be going off to Kishvada in uh, the Hungarian top flight and on the basis you could say that's a positive thing saying that maybe if those players end up coming back to Ukraine and playing for the national team or maybe one of the top sides but it seems unlikely and it would, from what I've spoken to not from the documentary but from other people just some sources have spoken to me that in the end those players will probably end up getting Hungarian passports and going into that system. So is that counterproductive? Is this something that we should really be worrying about? Uh, potentially, you could say. At the moment, just as it's one club, maybe not so much, but if more of them come in, because we know that there's new professional clubs coming in every season in the, the PFL, uh, you never know. You really don't, and it may provide incentive for, for some other governments to set up academies around there. They're not doing too bad as a team, but I think we'll probably be happy that they're not challenging even for a playoff spot there. With the Olympic uh, sort of scenario and then potentially disappearing, we're not quite sure how playoff and relegation is going to pan out. But as it stands... Bottom four go down from the Persia. The fifth from bottom will go into a playoff against the third place to either one of the third place teams. Now, I don't know if there's a set a semi-final, a preliminary game between the two third place teams in Group A and Group B to play the fifth place team or how that's going to work. But Third teams uh, from the both uh, groups and we will play a match against uh, themselves and who will win in this mm -hmm. game play against the uh, 12th place, I don't remember, yeah. from yeah, the first. And then, but with Olympics finances all up in jeopardy, if they disappear, they may scrap the playoffs altogether and throw everybody up <laughs> or something like that. We even doesn't know who is given this uh, money. <laughs> <laughs> 
we're not quite sure at all. We're not quite sure at all. But it's, I want to give a shout out to, as Andrew mentioned, good old Lubomir. Did I pronounce it right? Did I get it wrong? Lubomir. Lubomir. Uh, but also FC Chenegiv as well. I mean, both teams have started off the season in bad form. They've, But they're picking up, you know, earlier this year we questioned about whether some of these clubs should be in. You should be given their professional licences. But we can, there's some little glimmers of progress there with both of them this year. Lubomir even picked up their first victory just... Uh, Two weeks ago, wasn't it? <laughs> Against Denaivti, like who are actually yeah. doing quite well, which was yeah. a big surprise. And they but, picked yeah. up their other point away at Halic, who who aren't the worst team in the world either. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird old league. <laughs> it really is. AFSK still disappoint. What's the update on their stadium, Adam? Have you seen some photos of? I I I have seen some some photos of that. I mean, there's been some great, great work done on it over the last few months. We, we did a sort of compare and contrast, spot the difference from August to December, uh, November, sorry. And there was no difference. <laughs> it's as if they haven't got done, done a single thing. So not quite sure what's going on there. It doesn't seem to be a lot, though. We'll have to find out for, uh, for another day, for another day. But guys, um, it wasn't as much a report, but... Uh, a social media post that I was reading earlier today. And there's a team in Group B that I, I am going to be watching a lot of after the winter break. I'm a bit disappointed I haven't watched them uh, this season. And that is uh, Yerud from Mariupol. Um, apparently, Yevgeny Kress, who is involved with the Ukrainian under-21 team, has singled them out as the the second most uh, sort of progressive team in Ukrainian football this season behind Vorskola. And on his post, you can read his post and he's got all the different sort of stats up and they're ranked second or third for all these different things. But most intriguingly, I, I went and had a, after reading, I went and had a look at their squad and the majority of their first team are all born in the 21st century, which means they're aged 2021 or younger which is great to see there's they've got a center forward who scored nine goals for them this year i I wasn't even aware of and he's only like 20 years old so it's very very intrigued by them very intrigued so i'm gonna keep keep an eye out he he sort of labeled it the you know the making of oleg krasnoperov who's the coach there is it Krasnoperov? I might print probably. Yeah, the, le- the legends of Warsaw. That probably he won the cup. I remember he played for Metalist. Yes. There we go. Yeah, that's there true. we go. Well, he was he was getting a big old shout out today. Uh, there, it's quite funny. I, I read that one, and then I read Crystal Kherson's post. It's kind of like, and they wrote, "Thank God, 2021 is over. It's been the worst year in our history. We can't wait for March of 2022." Uh, I think that it is kind of for season 1920 when they denied the replaying of the second league. They promoted to the first league uh, automatically. And uh, football karma is still alive. And uh... <laughs> It's amazing to see down the bottom down there, though. 
uh, can't lie, that uh, Rail Farmer have picked up a slight bit of form to actually get out of <laughs> out of bottom spot. Uh, yeah, they're, they're looking good these days. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the owner, the owner who will be coming up in a, in a future episode of our tour on YouTube, can, uh, renewed his world record uh, for being the oldest Ukrainian professional footballer uh, just last week. So age 55. So that is uh, still does wonderful self stuff. The boots. I believe he dropped his son. <laughs> but they, they, they actually play some good stuff. I do make a point of tuning into their game every now and then. And they, they the pitch is a mess, but they do play some good football there. And they absolutely stuff your... Uh, your uh, stadium partners in Sumi, Ilya, they beat them 5-1, I believe it was. Uh, FC Sumi, Ilya. Are, are they likely to be back in March? Are they going to be one of these teams that just pack up and disappear? At one stage, it was very close, wasn't it? No, no, no. They have received... Uh... 1 million grivnas approximately from, from the Sumo City budget. Also, budget for one year is approximately 7 million grivnas. And uh, some people ask me how does he want to live for 7 million. Uh, but I hope that everything will be okay. They have the consultant uh, or Aktam Radionov, which is the previous coach of FC Victoria. Maybe he will become the coach of a team, who knows. Uh, but nowadays they are with no coach. Uh, administrator of the team is the tournament coach. So that is why they lose all the games. But uh, I hope that in winter they will find a good coach uh, and everything will be okay. Ah, fingers crossed. I mean, we were excited about Sumi football at the start of this season, but FC have kind of less let us down. Even Victoria haven't done as well as we were expecting in the summer there. And you've mentioned that they're now considering they're now looking to sell the stadium in in Sumi that they bought earlier in the year, is that correct, Ilya? As I have understood, yeah, but uh, they hope to win all the crowds uh, and uh, then they will have all control uh, for the stadium. Uh, there are some uh, aspects, uh, you can read it in my blog on Tribuna, I wrote it uh, very, very well uh, nowadays. And uh, that is why they think that stadium, any stadium is a very problematic building because they need to spend two or three million dollars to renovate it. Uh, and uh, also Sergei Bondarenko, president of FC Victoria uh, and uh, owner of the stadium, visits, uh, visits uh, games of FC Allianz. I think that uh, Victoria will not sell the stadium, but if they will lose uh, all courts, they will have nothing to do with the stadium. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. It'll be interesting to see if they carry on as well, if they don't have access to the stadium. Two teams that are doing well. We mentioned earlier, of course, Metalogger. They're almost running away now with Group B at, at the top there. They had an important game against Skorok a couple of weeks back and they got a late winner, which I think kind of puts them up already in first spot. But uh, yeah, Skorok, Tomakivka. 
Did I? I've, I've nailed that one. I've been practicing it all week, but they're, they're very surprising. We didn't expect them to be doing as well as as they're doing. Probably sums up the lack of quality in Group B. But they've done some smart recruitment. They've they've got some of uh, some of their guys. I noticed they played overseas, played in the Estonian leagues and the Latvian leagues before coming back. Are in their squad doing quite well for them. It's them and Peramorka who were. Uh, are in their second season as well as a professional team they seem to be battling away now the last I understand Mikolaev will not be returning after the winter break I'm waiting for somebody to tell me that I was wrong there I haven't heard any rumours that they've found any more money from their city budget so it will be a a sad state of affairs uh, for them it really will be it is a historic club when I looked in it a little bit longer, a little bit more deeply, of course, you realise that it's not the first time they've been very close to the precipice, but it seems that this time they're going to fall over and, and disappear, at least for the short term. But as is the case, as always, with Ukrainian football, they could be back next week under a, a new name and somebody else throwing money at it. But yeah, it's been, a, been an interesting four months for the first and second divisions. It's been great being able to watch them all across the internet. Um, Drew, her games continue to be shown via club channels on YouTube, which is a legacy of Svetlana. Uh, Apologies, Svetlana, for me forgetting your second name there, but you did such a great great job with the marketing a few years back, and it's great to see that the Drew clubs are still showing their games on YouTube. Ray and Ilya. One last question from me tonight before before we go. It's a bit of a UPL twinged one here because I've been reading a lot of discussion across the social media page and I'd like to get your take on it. The clubs at the bottom of the UPL are feeling very confident that if they go into the playoffs, their their teams are going to be stronger than the likes of Allianz and Obelon or Precarpatio or Neva. Um, if they go into playoff battles, having watched the UPL yourselves, do you see? Do you feel that the the jump from the Pir- Persia to the UPL isn't as big as perhaps some UPL fans are trying to make out? Uh, to start with, which UPL fans? Lviv fans? Lviv, Minai, Ingolets. These guys think, yeah, they. A game against Sopolana will be easy money. I don't think Ingles is going to struggle with uh, the uh, relegation. I mean, they're doing pretty well. But so far, um, well, yeah, obviously the jump is not that huge as it used to be. I mean, the, uh, uh, the gap between the leagues, it just doesn't exist. Um, the second thing is that uh, the clubs which are going to battle for relegation, they're just not being taken care of. Uh, by their owners or um, establishment or anyone else. Uh, That's why it's a matter of uh, commitment from the uh, sides which are going to promote and the ones who who will probably relegate because the ones who are going down from the Premier League, they don't have much to prove. Uh, Whereas the Pressure League is the the narrowest, is by far the most... Um, equally matched in years, so evenly, evenly tied, and uh, 
it's uh, really uh, unpredictable. So, but we know that the um, attitude uh, is completely different than the UPL. Mm -hmm. And Ilya, one final question to you. Before we started this show, you spoke about the fact that clubs now won't have any professional football for four months. As the media officer for Allianz, what are you going to be doing for the next four months? Uh, I will have uh, what to do to entertain our fans uh, during this uh, winter pause. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, good luck with it as well. There's going to be uh, lots, of t lots of time to fill in. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to have a bonus for you right now. Over to you, Andrew. Yep. So we had a quiz the other week. Um, that was guess the shirt number, but as we've got an actual new and I guest, sucked at it. <laughs> as I've got as we've got an actual <laughs> guest on, we've got Ilya to join us, who's going to be taking part in this one, and it's a, a PFL themed quiz. So today's game show is called Guess the Player Slash Manager, and what you're going to have to do is I'm going to list the clubs that they have either played for or managed based on Wikipedia. And you, the first person to shout out stop and then give their answers to who they think it is wins the point. Best of five, all right? Okay, question one. And just bear in mind, they've got a slight PFL connection. Number one, this is a player. They were born on the 13th of June, 1987. And they started their career at Shakhtar Donetsk in 2005, making one appearance. They left Shakhtar Donetsk in 2016, but they were on a number of loan spells. So let me tell you them right now. <laughs> okay. 2007 until 2011, they played for Karpaty Lviv. 73 appearances, 14 goals. 2011 till 12, they played for Ilichivitz Mariupol. 34 appearances, 6 goals. 2013-14, they played for Sevastopol on loan. 37 appearances, 2 goals. 2014-2016, till 2016, they were back at Karpate on loan. 41 appearances, 4 goals. Then they went to Moldova in 2016 after they left Shakhtar and they played for Dacia Chisinau and made 0 appearances. Then they played for Mariupol in 2016 as well, uh, 49 appearances, nine goals. 2018, Veres Livne, 10 appearances, one goal. 2018 till 2020, Volen Lutsk, 57 appearances, 34 goals. Then last season, they returned to the UPL with Menai, 20 appearances, Zero goals. And now they're back in Druhalicha with Karpata Lviv. Ten, ten appearances, three goals. Yes. Yeah, he got there in the end. <laughs> One and up. This is going to take forever, but I think uh, it's enjoyable nonetheless. People can uh, get behind it. Tell us on social media if you got any of these before raided. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Me too. So... Question two, this is a manager. And I'm going to only give you the, ma the teams they've managed to make it less complicated with all the clubs and all that kind of stuff. They were born on the 20th of June, 1954. The first team they were assistant manager at was Dnipro Dnipropetrovsk in 1985. 
Then they went to Kolos Nikopol in 1988. Then they managed Tavres Simferopol in 1989-1990 before managing Kristal Herson in 1990. Then they went back to Dnipro Dnipropetrovsk between 1992-1994 and had spells as Ukraine manager between 1992 oh. and 1994. Yeah, right. Got a ball. Yeah, 2-0, 2-0. Ilya, you got to be Nobody beats, expert. right. <laughs> yeah, he's this guy's football magazine... Uh, extraordinaire that's where he gets all this stuff from right this one is back to another player question three they were born on the 24th of april 1983 this guy started his career at Shakhtar donetsk made zero appearances for the senior team but over 70 appearances for reserve dash two dash three teams between 2002 and 2005 after they left Shakhtar three they went to karabag in azerbaijan between 2005 and 2006. Then they played for Vorskla Poltava between 2006 and 2009, making 80 appearances, scoring 14 goals. Then for one season, they played at Dynamo Kiev in 2009, where they scored two goals in 12 appearances. Then between 2010 and 2017, they played for FC Dnipro. Oh, yeah. Kravchenko? Yeah. Oh, wow, Ray, he's just too quick. Don't worry, Ilya, we've still got two more questions to go. You can save yourself. Raise one anyway. It's uh, it's a 3-0 out of five, but you can save a bit of um, a bit of glory for yourself. Ray tires when he gets to question five. That's the one I got right. <laughs> <laughs> so, question number four. This person is a manager. They were born on the 6th of August, 1957. The first club they managed was in 1991 to 1992, Budivnik Ivankiv, whoever that is. Then they were manager of TSK2 Kiev between 1998 and 1999. Where's Phil Howden when you need him? <laughs> then in 2000, they were manager of Spartak Sumy. Stop. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Petrakov? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it did work at CSKA, I knew that. Well done, Ilya. Oh, there you go, there you go. And now for the final, I don't think this player has played in the Persia Druhaliha, but he's well known enough and he's still playing now. So, he was born on the 20th of July, 1985. Began his career at Shakhtar Donet between 2002 and 2009, where he made 26 appearances and seven goals. Then he played for the Shakhtar youth slash reserve teams between 2002 and 2006, where he made over 90 appearances, scored 28 goals. Between 2006 and 2008, they were on loan at Arsenal Kiev. Stop. Yeah. It was no. Ray is too quick with this. And it's a 4-1 clean sweep, but Ilya's got the summer question right. He's Because obviously he is the expert on summer football. So fair play on that. Uh, Ray's got another crown. He's the undisputed champion of the quizzes so far. It's good going. We will see what happens next time we come up with a quiz. But yeah, give us your feedback on that one, guys, uh, and enjoy. Well done, Ray. Who's going to challenge? Who's going to challenge you next, mate? Who's going to challenge you next? We really don't know. But you're going to have to join us again next time to find out, of course. Definitely. Well, that's it for tonight, anyway, guys. Uh, 
I've enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. I hope everyone else at home has as well. Um, Ilya, thanks for joining us. You provided us with some great insight tonight into, into a number of clubs, not just Alliance. I hope you'll come back and join us again. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Hope you will invite me once again. Thank you for the attention. Definitely. And for people who are who are listening and want to follow you on the social media or would like to read some of the, the articles on Tribuna, where, is the, where can they find you? Follow me on in Twitter, on Instagram, uh, different social networks. Okay, thanks. Ray, been a great one. I hope you can, you can relax now about Oblon for a few months, <laughs> at least. That's uh, exactly what, yeah. Hope you enjoyed tonight. I definitely did, Adam. Thanks. Um, I missed it, and uh, I won't miss Oberlin. At least the, the next the next following two weeks, I won't because it's just been a uh, disaster, and uh, um, uh, it's not going to be boring for a month. That's what I know for sure. That's why stay tuned and uh, good stuff, and we'll be here for you. Andrew, great episode, fully professional as always. Uh, Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. For new listeners, mate, what are your socials? Yeah, you can follow me on Azori Londonsk on Instagram and Twitter. And obviously, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Ukraine Plus Football, because we're going to be having content coming out soon over the Christmas break, for sure, to keep you entertained whilst there's no football on. And that's including episodes from our tour and hopefully some new bonus things. I'm Adam at Ukrafoot24. You can follow me across all the social medias. But till next time, take care, stay safe, and goodbye for now. Christmas isn't too far around the corner. Head and